Welcome to this week's edition of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am the sidekick. I am the coach beard to Ken Campbell's Tad Lasso, although maybe a little less of a beard this week. But today we're going to be talking about the IIHF ban on Russia and Belarus. We are going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And we're going to be talking about trade deadline. And for that segment, we're joined by Matt Larkin from DailyFaceOff.com. So stick around and let's get into it. Listen, Ken. Yes. Dylan, I, Dylan, you didn't introduce yourself. You said, I'm the sidekick. Yeah. And you said all those things, and then you didn't say your name. So I'm here to introduce <laughs> Dylan Waugh. <laughs> I, I maintain that three attempts at doing an intro is still not bad. Okay. I normally yeah. do it in one or two, but I maintain that three attempts is, 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 is okay. Yeah, I'm more of the Bill O'Reilly type. Let's just do it live! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, I, I, I think that I did it well. Although at one point I did say that the double IHF banned the Tampa Bay lightning. That was in a previous take. Yeah. That was in a previous and, take. And yes. I mean, they should, I mean, they're too good. They're too good they're to too be playing good. international. Yeah. Hockey. So obviously we've got to start on, you know, the news of the world. It's pretty hard to ignore what's going on uh, internationally with Russia's, uh, or I should say Putin's invasion of the Ukraine. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the media has done a good job of saying Putin's invasion. Yeah. Instead of saying Russia's. Yeah. Because I think that it's important for us in the Western hemisphere to not start thinking about Russia as like Soviet Union again, to not start acting like everybody in Russia are these like fanatical, you know, people that are, you know, hell bent against us. No, they're not, but they've also allowed someone to rise to power who is that. Correct. And so they're, they have to be accountable for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they've allowed him to rise to power. I mean, uh-huh. you know, well, I mean, it's still a quote unquote democracy. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I mean, we'll get into it with yeah guys like Alexander Ovechkin who have openly supported the guy and yeah. I, I'm not on Instagram. So, but I understand that his Instagram photo still has him with, with Putin. Yeah. Which is problematic in my opinion. I I do agree with you. I do okay. agree with you that that's problematic. I here's here's what I think. Like one of the one of the classiest, nicest guys in all sports is a guy like Jack Nicholas. And he threw his support behind Donald Trump. I think that these guys, these these megalomaniacs, a lot of them have a way of enticing somebody who they can speak to one-on-one who, so that that person has trouble seeing the forest through the trees. Yeah. And and it it just that, doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Jack Nicholas is obscenely rich and people like Donald Trump would make sure that he stays obscenely rich. That's what I, that's what it was with me. And as far as Bobby Orr was concerned, yeah, you know, another guy who's like his legacy isn't ruined. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he was the best defenseman to ever play the game, Yeah, um, but it's stained. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah. and I think Ovi's is, is going to be stained here yeah. through all of this as well. Yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if you have seen on Twitter what Dominic Hasek's been saying. I have. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. He talks about the, he has something with, you know, Ovi saying, please no more war. And Dominic Hasek says, what? I have to put my glasses down here. What? Not only an alibiist, a chicken shit, but also a liar. 
Every adult in Europe knows well that Putin is a mad killer and that Russia is waging an offensive war against the free country and its people. <laughs> oh, he's he's firing on all cylinders, that's yeah. for sure. I liked um I liked the So the IHF comes out and bans Russia, right? The CHL is um deliberating whether Russian players are to be taken in the import draft, right? The Olympics said, now we're good. We're just going to keep things going. You can, you can compete, but as a neutral party. Right. Right. Which is Russian Olympic committee or whatever the case is, whatever they call it. Uh, That's obviously, obviously negative. But the thing that I think is more important that we get into here is the, is a CHL potential ban on Russia and, and Belarusian players in the import draft. And I want to, I want to hear how you feel about that. Yeah, I don't like it. I I don't like it. And, and this is not cast in stone from what I've been told um, that was going to be the case. They were going to do that. And then, and they were going to announce it yesterday, Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there was a real, there was some real pushback on it. And there was another sort of camp that, sort of made was very emphatic about how that wouldn't be a good thing. Yeah. And, um, and, and so, uh, so they, they put it off. They, they've canceled the Canada, Russia, um, series that they have every year that, yeah. that, that, uh, they play like two games in Ontario, two games in the West, two games in Quebec, uh, before, you know, leading up to the world juniors, they're not going to do that this year. Um, so they've, they've canceled that already and they're deliberating on, I mean, by the time this comes out, they may have already announced it. But I, I, if if they were to go that way, I, I don't like it. I don't I don't yeah. like it. I think that penalizes, you know, sixteen year old kids for sixteen and seventeen and eighteen year old kids for something that is really like completely, completely out of their their hands. realm, right? Yeah. And and to me, you know, like, and I brought this up in a in a in a in a blog I wrote earlier this week. I mean, in two thousand and three, nobody was. Nobody was sanctioning the U.S. Yeah. The U.S. went into Iraq and started bombing that country. And they did it based on bogus intelligence about web, weapons of mass destruction. Um, every, every sane, you know, knowledgeable expert in the world was telling us that this was bogus. Yeah. And George Bush went in anyways and did it. And basically, you know, was responsible for the death of thousands of people, ruined a country um, to basically take out Saddam Hussein. And, uh, you know, I didn't hear anybody in 2003 saying Americans should be banned from international competition or, you know, the NHL cutting off ties with its U.S. partners or whatever. Yeah. So and I know it was a different time and we're in different times now. Yeah. I get that. But. I mean, at some point, you know, you make, you've, you've made your statement. You've made your statement. They're not playing. Like to me, I mean, how many things do you need against Russia? Right. Like, you know, you know, for me, it's almost like, you know, come for the, come for the, the state sponsored massive doping. Yeah. You know, come for that and and stay for the, stay for the invasion of, of, of Ukraine. Right. So, yeah. Something that you said to me on the phone, I thought was just so um, is profound in its simplicity because we were talking about this. And we were talking I am about, simple <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally profound, right? 
And and we were talking about that. We were talking about uh, the U.S.'s invasion of Iraq. And basically what you said was, had I known then what I know now. Right. And so I think that that's something that's kind of forgotten in this whole conversation. I think that the world in general is more politically and socially aware and hesitate to say that that's thanks in part to social media because I'm so sick of social media at this point. Yeah. yeah, it's such a cesspool. But yeah. um, but I do think that, that that is one of the few positive takes from social media. Yeah. And so yeah. It's made it, I think you're aware, right sure. to look back and say, well, we should have done it then. But that doesn't, I, I've seen people that almost use that as like justification. Yeah, to that say doesn't like, mean you don't do it now. Exactly. Right? Like it's like the Hall of, well, and it's not like the Hall of Fame, but, but they're always yeah. like, well, this guy's in because he was better than this guy who's in, who got put in 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always like, yeah, but you don't correct mistakes by making more mistakes. Yeah. Right. So yeah. anyways, um, what was I going to, there was something I was going to say. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, the CHL ban, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. like that idea at all. I think the IIHF ban, I think was very courageous. Yeah. I think it was a lot more courageous than what FIFA did. FIFA was shamed shamed into doing what they did. Yeah. And the IHF came out and was very decisive. And I think that was really good. And I don't know that that happens under Rennie Fassell mm-hmm. uh, as the president of the IHF. It, yeah. it happens under Luke Tardif as the, as the president of the IHF. Yeah. And to me, it, it's more than just symbolic because like Putin really likes hockey. It, it, yeah. And Lukashenko really likes hockey. Yeah. Like those guys like, they like it. They really like it. Like they play hockey. They're terrible. They're awful. They're Lukashenko's this big fat piece of crud that's can barely skate. And Putin's just out there being a a skinny piece of crud that can barely skate. And he's he's terrible. And he's, and, and and these guys that used to, and this is the whole thing that's leading into all this crap is, you know, these guys like Fedezov and all these guys that were national team members, proud members of the big red machine. They just let them skate around and score in these charity games Yeah, because it may, I don't know, because it makes them feel good. I don't know what it is, but anyways, they, they like hockey. So I, I think that it's more than just like, even if it is a symbolic ban, I think it's good, but I think it's more than that because like I said, these two guys, Putin and and Alexander Lukashenko, who's the, who's the president of Belarus, they really like hockey. Yeah. So that that kind of hits them. So here's here's what I'll say about the ban um, before we get out of here, and and uh, specifically about the World Juniors and et cetera, et cetera. The thing that I've heard again and again is this idea that um, these kids shouldn't be made to suffer. Yeah. For <clears throat> the sins of the the former generation, right? The previous generation, which is Putin and, and what he's doing now, but. I guess what I where I've come down to is that it's not fair, but essentially there's nothing there's no solution to this yeah. that's going to be fair because if you go to war if if you turn around and this becomes a war between Russia and NATO or whoever else it's not fair to the citizens who are caught in the crossfire right if you go if you um, sanction Russia to the point of famine. Putin's not going to starve. It's the regular citizens of Russia that are going to starve. Yeah. And so to me, I do. I hate the fact that these 18 and, and 19 year old kids are going to suffer and be forced into to, to be called to account for Putin and his and what he's doing. But in terms of, to your point, impact to Vladimir Putin, who you could see it all over his face in Sochi. 
he loves hockey. Yeah, yeah. That's a point of national pride to him. Right. In terms of for impact against Putin and low impact against a population that generally just wants to live. I, I saw once during the Gregorian Cup, Gregorian Cup, I should say, pardon Gregorian me. Gregorian Cup. They all skate around. Uh. Uh, yeah, Gregorian monks, yeah. <laughs> no, the Gregorian Cup, pardon me. Uh, it was during the, the finals and uh, there was also elections that night. And a guy was interviewed coming out of the Gregorian Cup final match. And, and they said, why didn't you go and vote today? And he said, because I don't know who's going to win the Gregorian Cup. <laughs> so, I mean, let's be honest. He's a dictator in everything but name, right? Yeah. Yep. He's a despot. But so I'm just saying, in terms of for having a low impact on the, on the population, the population is not going to starve because their their world junior team didn't compete this year but having a high impact on the person who actually is in charge of this 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 atrocity i i do agree with it and it's yep. callous to the kids but at the same time you know at this at the same time people are going to get cross, caught in the crossfire before we get off of this you mentioned we've already taped the same segment with matt you mentioned mash do you remember what hawkeye's uh, quote about war was well one of his many uh, i'm not sure uh, he says to Father Mulcahy, he says to Father Mulcahy, uh, people say that war is hell, but war is war and hell is hell. And Father Mulcahy says, uh, and, and Hawkeye says, of the two, war is worse. Father Mulcahy says, well, how do you figure that? And he says, because who goes to hell, Father? And Mulcahy says, sinners, I guess. And he goes, yeah, but everybody's caught up in war. The people, yeah. that, the citizens yeah. are innocent. Yeah. The people that are drafted and sent to war are innocent. He says, aside from a few top brass at the top who've orchestrated this whole thing, everyone in war is an innocent by, innocent bystander. There's no innocent bystanders right. in hell. Right. Is what he said. Interesting. Interesting. It's, it's rough. In, it's interesting that you you bring up the sort of the collateral impact of all of this because Hashik also said uh, about guys in the NHL. Russians in the NHL. He said the NHL must immediately suspend contracts for all Russian players. Every athlete represents not only himself and his club, but also his country and its values and actions. That is a fact. If the NHL does not, not does not do so, it has indirect co-responsibility for the dead in Ukraine. Like he's, he's just firing from the hip. And then he says, I also want to write that I'm really sorry for those Russian athletes who condemn Vladimir Putin and his Russian aggression in UK, Ukraine However, at the moment, I also consider their exclusion a necessity. So so I've seen people getting on Hashik's case about this. Yeah. And his hardline stance. And I will admit that I don't, I don't agree with his hardline stance. But I also think that I'm, I, I was born into a middle-class suburban family in Toronto. Mm-hmm. In the outskirts of Toronto, Scarborough, right? Right. I've never lived in Soviet-run Czechoslovakia. Right. And so I would urge people that are angry at Hashik for those comments to simply just remember where he's coming from. Yeah. I know I know somebody, and, and his grandmother is from Hungary, and she lived in Hungary. She's, she's passed away now, of course. She lived in Hungary during Nazi occupation and Soviet occupation. Right. And now she wasn't Jewish. So under Nazi occupation, she did just fine. Under Soviet occupation, she had to flee. She she came to Canada in the 50s when a lot of Hung- Hungarians came to Canada. So she, in her mind, 
Nazis weren't so bad, but the Soviets were terrible. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's because that's her lived experience. And so right. I just encourage people that, and she's wrong. She's obviously wrong, Yeah. but that's her lived experience. So I encourage people that before being angry at Hashik, understand his lived experience. Yeah. I mean, understand his perspective. He was three years old when the tanks rolled into Prague. Yeah. When the Russian tanks rolled into Prague right. and, and basically took over. And almost all of his childhood was under the oppression of the Soviet yeah. regime. Yeah. He probably would have had to learn Russian in school. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah. But I, I don't like, we'll probably lose people if we keep going on this a little no, bit too, I agree. Yeah. too much yeah. longer. We are going to talk about hockey. Like the whole second part with Matt Larkin's all about the trade deadline. So if you're looking for that, just hang in with us. Yeah. Matt was uh, an absolute joy to talk to. He, uh, it was so fun. That segment, we, we just got off it and, and just enjoyed it. But yes, we do have to do, um, uh, our due diligence, we do have to do our duty to talk about this. I think yeah. that it's an important subject and it of course spans well beyond hockey. So we I think we did have to do this. But let's let's try to transition. Okay. Not easy. Yeah. But let's try and let's transition to another CHL issue. Not really issue. I'd like to talk a little bit about Jordan Frasca, an right. overager. Did I say his name wrong? No. Oh, okay. No, I was nodding, yeah. Oh, Go good. Ahead. Yeah, yeah. An overager with the Kingston Frontenacs who signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins as a free agent. Now, Ken, you visited his family before Christmas for a piece, and you'll have it up on your Substack very soon, kencampbell.substack.com. Check yep. it out if you you can get uh, this episode and other writing directly into your inbox. Try it for free, then maybe pay. <laughs> Sounds good. Anyways, you got or a piece coming pay, up. Or just pay right up front. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd I mean, be that's, better. that's the better that, option. That would yeah, be better. Of course. Yep. So, uh... Tell me a little bit about him. Well, anyway, so, so it, I mean, you may have noticed there was a recent sort of spate of signings of junior guys who are free agents who weren't drafted yep. uh, by NHL teams. Like, so, because recently they've, that window has opened, but this, this kind of, this deal has kind of been in the drawer for a while for Jordan Frasca. Yeah. He's, he's playing for the Kings for Frontenacs. He's an overage kid. He's got like 60 some points in 40 something games. He's been really, really good this year for them. Like he's scoring at a higher pace than Shane Wright is. I mean, mm. I get it. He's 20. Shane's Wright's 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, but he's been really, really good for them. And so Pittsburgh signed him uh, to a two-way deal, obviously, you know, an entry-level two-way deal. So he's yep. going to have three years to kind of see where he fits in that organization. But th the neat thing is, is I uh, just prior to Christmas, I went out to their house because this family is really, it's really neat. Like they have five boys. Like mm -hmm. who has five kids now? Yeah. Five boys, two of them play in the OHL. You can barely afford one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> two of them play in the OHL and the yeah. other three are playing the highest level of hockey in, in, in minor hockey, which is the triple A level in the greater Toronto hockey league, the GTHL. Yeah. So they've had five kids go through that sort of meat grinder of triple A hockey through the GTHL. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're not familiar with that whole, that whole scene, it mm. can be pretty crazy. And, and like the commitment is ridiculous. The money is ridiculous. Like, yeah. like I asked them, I said, have you ever sat down and sort of totaled it all up? And they were like, no way. <laughs> no, we don't No, We, we don't want to think about that, Yeah, but it's, but I'm, I'm serious. They would have spent in the hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. for these kids. Like they've got three kids in AAA right now. They're paying 22 grand. Yeah. Just, and that's, that's before they get in their car 
and yeah. drive to a tournament or stay in a hotel or buy a coffee at the rink. Yeah. That's just registration fees. They're paying two thousand dollars. Yeah. Two thousand what nineteen hundred dollars in 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 gate fees. So they're paying two thousand bucks to watch their kids play their own kids. Yeah, yeah. That that's how crazy it is. That's called double dipping. That <laughs> is, that is. But anyways, anyways, it. I just thought it was a really neat story that yeah. you know you took five of these kids and they're all going through at different stages of elite, the most elite hockey. Yeah. I mean the GTHL. Bills itself as the best minor hockey league in the world. I'm not sure if it is. There's a lot of other ones out there that it's are a good just league, as good. Though. It's a good yeah. league. I mean, people come from all over the world to play in the GTHL. Yeah. Um, and that's much another, to Don Cherry's chagrin. Well, yeah. And that and that's another thing too, because yeah. they end up having to have residents here. So it it they gerrymander things a little bit sometimes. Gerrymandering. Uh, but <laughs> nice. uh, but uh yeah, but it, it's a great story, and I'm gonna have it on my Substack in the coming days. It's also gonna appear in the Toronto Star simultaneously because oh, this very is cool. a team from this is a family from from Caledon, which is yep. near Toronto. Um, and they all play in the GTHL. So it's just a really cool story. So I, I just wanted to kind of pump that up a little bit and have people put that on people's radar to take a look out for. You're not uh, you're not going to the CJ route on me. You're not about to, to, to ditch me for the Toronto Star, are you? Did I say that? Well, I, just, I used to work there. I worked I there know, before. I know. I'm no longer welcome I there. I feel like you're... <laughs> I'm no longer welcome there. I, I play hockey with a bunch of star guys. You're you're welcome to come out and play hockey. Oh yeah, 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 like. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I'm sure. I, yep. Maybe. All right. <laughs> All right. So before we get to our Matt Larkin segment, I wouldn't want to play hockey with you. You got a mouth on you when you play. I do have a mouth on I'd, me when I play. I'd, I'd end up sticking you right in the throat. <laughs> hope you have a hope you have one of those danglers. I do have a dangler. Okay, good yeah, because yeah. I'd be looking for the the hole in it so I could. Stick <laughs> I I told you this on the phone. I pulled my glute in hockey. And so I could, I, if I dropped into my butterfly, I couldn't move. I was just down. And then I had to use my stick to help myself back up. And wow. one guy missed an open net when I went down and, he, and the puck went to my left. And I just watched it. And he hit the crossbar. And I go, hey, Robbie boy. <laughs> Next time you got an open net, why don't you try and hit it, eh? Oh, man. <laughs> That's the worst. You're awful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I'm a goalie, so everybody, you know, they got to treat me right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if anybody goes after you, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if anybody goes after me, I also played fullback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, check out kencampbell.substack.com for that article coming up. Yep. Check out the Toronto Star. If you can, write, uh, review us, you know, subscribe. YouTube, these the, all these things come out as segments on YouTube as well. And now before we get into the Matt Larkin interview, let's uh, hit one other topic, yep. which is the Tampa Bay Lightning, currently first place in the Atlantic Division. They've won five in a row. Is it a sure thing? Is it fait accompli that the Lightning will win the Stanley Cup for a third time in a row, thus breaking the record for most in a row Stanley Cups in the cap Salary era? cap era, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's not a fait accompli, but you know, it's funny. I was in Tampa 2019, the spring of 2019, the year they, the year they were lights out and then and lights then, in and then, yeah. And then, and then, <laughs> you know, just completely f- pulled the shoot against Columbus yeah. in the first round. Yeah. And I remember I was talking to John Cooper in his office and he said, and I was saying, you know, like it's so hard to win and everything. He goes, well, you know, he goes, Look at it this way. You know, if you were to take 
Uh, if you were to go to somebody and say, you could bet on the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup or you can take the field, mm-hmm. you're going to take the field, right? Now, though, I'm not sure you take the field. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think you, I don't know if you take the field if you're right. a betting person. Yeah. Like this team is like, and I'm sort of foreshadowing here because we already talked about it with Matt, but like, I feel like Tampa's playing at about 80% right now. Yeah. And they're, they, they are not, they don't have the pedal to the metal here. Yeah. And they're, and, and they're in first place in their division. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I really, I, 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 at the beginning of the year, I, I had my doubts about Tampa, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm really coming around on this team and boy, oh boy, like, oh, we're playing Tampa and we have to beat them four times. (laughs) Like, can you imagine? I, I guess. I mean, I can't imagine playing any team in the NHL, (laughs) to be honest. No, but I'm just thinking like, like if you're. You know, whoever's going to get the last the last uh, spot in the East, it's you know Boston or um, yeah, you know whoever it's going to be. Yeah. Um. Wow. Like, oh man. <laughs> oh great, we made the playoffs! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to play Tampa. Boo. As as it stands right now, it's uh, Boston, Washington. Yeah. Are the two are the two wild card teams? Here, here's what I'll say about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here's what I'll say about them. Right now, they're, for the most part, top third in the league for most advanced metrics. Expected goals for a percentage. They're actually closer to middle of the league for Corsi for a percentage. But, the, but where, where the crux really is with this team is obviously they lost some key pieces in the offseason. Every year that there's been a good team in the NHL for the last three years, it's always, yeah, but they got to go through Tampa. Yeah. And yeah. that's now how I feel about Tampa. I feel like they're exceptionally good, but I'm going, yeah, but they got to go through Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, but they got to go through the Panthers. And that's kind of how I'm feeling about Tampa right now, which is that I do think that they're contenders. I think that they're very high up there contenders. But I, I really, they've got, a, they've got a tougher road to hoe than they've had. They do, they and, do. and the reality is, is that, the, those those players like Barkley Goodrow and like uh, Blake Coleman, Blake and, Coleman and Yanni Gord, Gord, yeah, those players really showed their stripes in the playoffs. They did, and really did. dictated their play because that that was a key part of the Montreal series last year was the fact that Montreal pushed around every team that they faced, um, and then all of a sudden they they came up to a team that not only had more skill than them, because let's be honest, every team that they played had more skill than them, but also wasn't going to get pushed around. Right. Also had, if not equal, a pretty close amount of snarl to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's where it comes to me is that those guys, those guys are your playoff performers. Right. And so I'm not, I'm, I'm not certain. I'm not certain with them going into the playoffs. Well, I, I would, I would tell you this. The Tampa Bay Lightning are going into the playoffs with the best goalie in the world. Yep. Maybe the best defenseman in the world. Yep. He's probably going to win the Norris this year. Yeah. Uh, And a forward core that is without peer in terms of being able to produce offense. I don't know if it's without peer. Okay. You don't think that that, um, 
Florida's forward core is pretty close. Well, yeah, but okay, let's let's play this tape to the end. Okay? okay. So let's say Tampa wins the division. Right. Without even really trying. <laughs> okay. Because I, yeah. I really don't think they're, I don't think they are fully engaged right no, now. No, I think that you're right. Um, so let's say they win. Well, that means Florida plays Toronto in the first round. Right. That's going to be a series. I mean, it's, Florida's probably going to win. Yep. Uh, but that's going to be a tough series. That's going to be a really tough series. Tampa would be against Washington. Meanwhile, in the first Tampa's, round. Tampa's going to have Washington or Boston, and it's going to be way easier. Way easier. Yeah. You know? So by the time Florida, or if Toronto can do it, gets to that spot. Maybe. I mean, Tampa, like, what, boss, I almost said Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. Yeah. Washington is a very heavy team. Yeah. And with Tampa not having the same snarl, the same guys that can take on those heavy minutes against the, the heavy players of the other team in the playoffs. And if the playoffs go the way that we've seen the playoffs go a million times already, where the whistles go away, you can, you can yeah. break somebody's rib in front of the net. And that is a okay. Yeah. Right. Then you might be talking about a pretty beat up floor, a uh, uh, Tampa team yep. and a Florida team that went against, let's be honest, no Jake Muzzin. <laughs> right, right. If he gets injured in the first game or two, which and seems I mean, to be the history. And, and you're not playing Wayne Simmons 15 minutes a game in the playoffs. No, it's you know? pretty much. And, and yeah. you're certainly not playing Wayne Simmons against the Braden Point line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'd have some serious questions for Sheldon Keefe if that were the, uh, if yeah. that were the case. But yeah. so I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to sound too much like, uh, like Bergevin, but, you know, once you get in the playoffs, you know, Anything could happen. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But but I think if there's going to be a team that can do it and challenge the New York Islanders for you know they'd be the first team since the New York Islanders in the early '80s to win three in a row. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, this team is eminently capable. I do agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, I do agree with you there. All right. What do you say we? Uh, Just one quick thing, please, because we didn't have our little banter beforehand. Oh, right. Okay, so I, I just got a bunch of stuff. I'm just all fired up today. I got a bunch of stuff okay, to go say. For it. So, yeah, yeah. so anyway, so I've been, I'm yeah, as you know, you may know, and some people may know, I'm a, I'm a big runner. I like to run. I, yeah. I, I, I'll run five times a week. I, I, I'm on the shelf for various reasons for running, and I can't run right now. So all I can do is walk, right? So I try to walk like 10K a day. So anyways, I've become a walker for, yeah. the, for the next little while. And I got to tell you, those crossing guards, those school crossing guards, they're aces, man. They are great. <laughs> like they're out there in the freezing cold all yep. the time. Yep. And you know what? I wheel up to an intersection and this guy or, or woman, you know, I'm not, well, maybe he thinks I'm, maybe I'm so short. Maybe he thinks I'm a kid going to school, but, <laughs> but this guy just like goes out and sticks out the stop sign for me to walk by. Yeah. And I'm like. Thank you very much every single time. Mm -hmm. And they're so pleasant. Mm -hmm. You know what? And and this is another segue to, I went to the Leaf game last night, as I do, as I want to do a lot. They do these <laughs> Leafs troops thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, when are we going to stop honoring the troops? Yeah. Like, I get it. And, okay, 
right now maybe that's, that's gonna not, be the clip now yeah maybe, the, maybe when are we gonna stop honoring the troops <laughs> no but maybe Bam. maybe right now is not the best time to say that no, it's a that. good time to keep honoring the but, troops right now but yeah but 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 you know what to me it's like it's like you know that they, they they obviously put you know conceivably put themselves in harm's way to yeah help other people and i'm being flippant about maybe recognizing crossing guards in this thing but but to me like for the last two years, healthcare workers have been the equivalent of the troops, warriors. Oh, 100 They've done exactly the same thing. Yep. They have put their life on the line to save the lives of other people's, and that's exactly what a, what a warrior does. Right. Right? Correct. Um, so, like, to me, it's like, why can't we have something for them once in a while, you know, like in half the time I, I go to a lot of them and half the time it's the guy who is like the accountant for the base. Right. <laughs> and he's waving and it's like, yes, you know, and he was in 1980, he was deployed to Staples to pick up office supplies. And like, it's like, come on, you know, anyways, that's All my right. little rant for today. I just, ha- I had to do it. So I got to I gotta say, you you reminded me of one of Bob Newhart's routines. <laughs> he was talking about something similar and he said, he said, but there is one group of people that puts their lives on the line every day in this country. There's one job and one group of people that we, that never gets recognized. And that is America's driving instructors. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, true. I won't go into the routine. It's a, it's a, it's a wee bit sexist. Oh, okay. As so many okay. routines from the seventies and sixties were right again, but again, if we knew then <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But uh, yes. So before we get to Matt Larkin, KenCampbell.substack.com, subscribe, check out uh, YouTube. We got these clips and check out um, Apple Podcasts, leave a review, anything you like. Let's get to Matt. Right on. Hi, everybody. Ken Campbell here. If you're listening to this podcast or even watching it, you obviously love hockey. We love hockey, too. That's why we're bringing you this podcast. But we can't bring you this podcast without sponsors. And we have a sponsor called MyBookie.com who's making it possible for us to... uh, Pay the bills and and uh, and and bring the content that we're bringing to you. Dylan and I are really enjoying doing it. I know I am. Um, so if you are inclined to uh, be a betting person on hockey or any other sport, um, I would suggest you go to mybookie.com. Uh, as I said, they're our sponsor. And if you do go there and you uh, type in uh, the uh, promo code hockey unfiltered, all one word. You can make yourself eligible for the double deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars. Like you can't go wrong, man. This is this is found money. So, uh, so if you do like betting on uh, sporting events, uh, please go to mybookie.com where you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere at mybookie.com. And we're back with hockey unfiltered with Ken Campbell, and we have a very special guest today, Dylan, the oh, one and only from the hot. Wait, check that from dailyfaceoff.com. <laughs> Matt Larkin, my buddy. How you doing, pal? Oh, Kenny, it's good to see your face. It's good to talk to you in a podcast <laughs> format. It's been too long. It and has. I still love you. I love you too, buddy. How you been? How's how's tricks? How's uh, First of all, I want to know what you guys are doing at, at dailyfaceoff.com. They just they just hired you away from the hockey news. Uh, great hire by them, obviously. Um, but it really looks like they're doing some big things there. Frank Saravelli looks like he's got some big plans and, and, uh, tell me a little bit about what's going on there and what you're going to be doing and what you guys are trying to accomplish here. 
Thank you, Kenny. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of people have been familiar with Daily Faceoff for the better part of a decade as a juggernaut in the fantasy landscape. It's the place you go to get your lines and your writing picks. And it's been a massive presence in the fantasy world. But with all this new investment coming in, what we're trying to do with Daily Faceoff now is also emerge it as a main source of news in the hockey landscape. Obviously, Frank is one of the best newsbreakers in the business. He's working 24-7. He really obviously put Daily Faceoff on the map when he was leaking the entire expansion draft, right? He broke that all a day in advance, pretty much. When Seattle was picking its players and that sort of established what this brand can be. It can be a place where insiders start to flock and where people start to go to get their news. So the fantasy stuff's going nowhere. I'm going to be bringing a lot in that realm as well. But we're also ushering in a new era in which we want Daily Faceoff to be one of the heavy hitters in the hockey news business. Right. Well, that sounds sounds exciting. Well, okay. well, if you're going to do something like that. This is uh this is a guy that you want, especially on the fantasy side, because <laughs> I've I've said it a million times. I don't know anybody who knows more about players than this this guy. So when you have Matt Larkin on your podcast, yeah, you have him for one of two reasons: either you want to know what movie won the best picture in 1985, <laughs> the best picture Oscar, in out of Africa, yeah, okay, out of see, Africa. It's it's insane. This guy's Rain Man with this stuff. Right. You either want that or or you want to talk about hockey. You know, and Matt, you said you're going to be dropping something on a top 15 scorer soon. I was going to take a guess, and I I don't know if he's a top 15 scorer, but I'm thinking it might be your namesake, Dylan Larkin. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's been a few guesses about Mr. Larkin. I will, that's I will tell you it's not name, Mr. Matt. Larkin. Yeah, okay. I don't know if he's a top 15 scorer at the moment. He might be, but I'm telling you, that guy, Matt, and I don't know if you agree with me, he's been a beast this year. He's been phenomenal. I will go as far as to say that if the Detroit Red Wings were a playoff team this year, he would be a Hart Trophy candidate, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think this feels like a year in which he's putting it all together. And it makes sense, right? The skill set was always there with Dylan Larkin. He's a tremendous skater. He's got tremendous two-way sense. And I remember doing a feature on on Dylan last year, and I talked to Jeff Blaschel. And what Blaschel was saying is getting the captaincy put this invisible weight on Larkin's shoulders that he put upon himself. Mm. And what Blasher was saying is he felt like Dylan was pressing last year and it just wasn't quite working. The shot output was great, but the numbers weren't there. He was trying to do too much. And I think now with this influx of young talent, he's finally got the help coming in. Yeah, better players. That's right. It's it's been a huge difference, right? Seeing the supporting cast, I think it's sort of let him take that invisible weight off his shoulders and just just be free. And there was never any doubting his talent, right? So I'm not too surprised to see him put it together. Okay. Well, we know it's not Dylan Larkin now, so whatever. We'll (laughs) have to stay, we'll have Mm -hmm. to stay, stay tuned for that one. Dylan Uh, Larkin is actually our mashup name, Matt. It is. I thought the same thing. Yes. (laughs) Okay, good, good. All right. Well, let's get into the hockey stuff because we, you know, Matt Larkin's a very busy and important man now. And we we don't want to take up too much of his time. Okay. So who won best leading actor? No, sorry. (laughs) Still on the other stuff. Firstly, let's talk trade deadline. All right. This affects fantasy very much so. Which legitimate Stanley Cup contenders most need to make a move before the deadline? And before you answer the question, I'm also curious as to how you're defining a legitimate Stanley Cup def- um, contender. 
defender. <laughs> that's kind of a giveaway for the Tampa Bay Lightning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's right. Yeah, they so, are the Stanley Cup defender. Yeah, why don't we start with you, Matt? Yeah, I think in terms of what my main criterion is, I think it's got to be a team. To me, it's got to be at the very least a top 10 team in the league and a, and, and a team that this is sort of, you know, intangible, but that it wouldn't surprise anyone to picture this team going all the way, that they have enough pieces in place. You could say, yeah, right. yeah, I could see it. I could see it. So with the, with that sort of criterion established, I'm going to mention the New York Rangers because, you know, as much as there's been this talk about Igor Shosturkin being a Hart Trophy candidate, I've been driving that bus all year. The reason why he's a Hart Trophy candidate is that there isn't been there hasn't been enough defensive help for him. The Rangers are still a work in progress defensively, and they give up too many high quality chances, which is why Shosturkin has been so amazing this year. He has tremendous numbers, but he's also faced a really high degree of difficulty in his workload. And to me, there's a swing piece the Rangers are missing, and it's that middle six center. So if Thomas Hurdle, for example, ends up being available. I think the Rangers are a team that should be poning up whatever they can to get him. They need someone who can play as your second line center, maybe if you want to drop Ryan Strom down, or you could move him around the lineup. So someone like Hurdle, for example, can play multiple forward positions. He can play special teams. But to me, the Rangers need that guy who can be a shutdown center, who can also bring a little bit of offense. It's sort of a, a, a chain reaction because Philip Keitel just didn't become what he was supposed to same with Leas Anderson who obviously isn't there anymore but yeah. I think several years ago the Rangers were projecting that those two guys would have been your number two and three centers right maybe even your number one and two centers instead neither well Leas Anderson's gone and and Heedle's just not he hasn't taken that step forward and there's a bit of a hole up the middle so to me it's the Rangers are my pick and middle six center is what they need especially second line interesting uh so I, I know Claude Giroux played a lot of wing but he is a center and mm-hmm. he kind of fits that. But I, I, I wonder if there's ever any reality in this universe where the New York Rangers and Philadelphia Flyers make a trade, right? Uh, so he's one. Another one for me would be, and this is pie in the sky, but because it takes, it's going to take a couple of factors. First of all, the Dallas Stars are going to have to fall out of the playoff race. And secondly, they're not going to be able to resign Joe Pavelski. But if that's the case and he ever went on the market, to me, that would be my number one. He, if, if he were on the tra- if he were on the trade market, he would instantly rock it up to number one in my in my estimation on the trade boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. So yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with, um, and I I I, I want to make a point here. Okay, guys, I want to make a point that when I put this question out, and I told you what I was going to say about it, you did. It was before last night's games. When the Toronto Maple Leafs and Pretty Marazic got thumped five one mm-hmm. by uh, the one of the worst teams in the league, so I'm going to say um, goaltending for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've got to go out and get a goalie. Like to me, don't overthink this, guys. Don't overthink this. You need a you need a reliable goaltender, and I, I think it needs to be Mark Andre Fleury. Um, you know, like and and I'm on your bandwagon, Dylan. About if you fancy yourself a Stanley Cup contender. <laughs> then just go out and do what you have to do to win the Stanley Cup. And right now, the goaltending that the Toronto Maple Leafs have been getting since basically before Christmas uh, hasn't been, it's it's not good enough. So you can talk all you want about how they need to shore up their defense core and how they might need, you know, some, some, uh, some size up front or some, you know, some grinders up front. You can talk about all those things, but it doesn't mean jack crap if your goaltending is what it is in Toronto right now, which is subpar. Yeah. 
So to me, that's, that's the one like, and it's a no brainer and don't overthink it. Just go out and do it. So I'll throw a follow-up question here on that one, because I like Marc-Andre Fleury just fine for, you know, the most overrated goaltender of all time. (laughs) (laughs) So my follow-up question is in an ideal world, because obviously there's only really one goaltender that's being quote unquote available. That's really a number one in an ideal world. Is that Marc-Andre Fleury and, and Matt, I'll ask you that question and then we'll go to you, Ken. Okay. Yeah, I do think it is just in terms of what's available, what's on the market. You know, if you compare a Marc-Andre Fleury to a Eunice Corpusallo, it's it's still no comparison, right? So I agree that there's a case to be made that he's overrated. Uh, I think, uh, interestingly enough, I think there was a stronger case a few years ago. But since then, he had the great run in 2018 with Vegas. He's now third all-time in wins, and he's got a Vezina Trophy to his name. It's debatable whether he should have won that Vezina Trophy, but it's on the resume now. So I think he's getting closer to properly rated, uh, and I think... He is just in terms of pedigree, in terms of big game experience, Stanley Cup. I I always say he has 1.5 Stanley Cup rings, not three. He won one as a starter. (laughs) He got one on the bench and he got one where he was sort of involved for half the run. Right. So 1.5, that's still that's more than the other available goaltending candidates can say. Right. So I still think there's no comparison. The thing with Flurry that's going to be interesting, though, is is he for sure available? Some, Some things I've been told recently suggest that you know, we shouldn't forget about that mutual agreement he has with Chicago in which he still has the say 10 team, no trade list, but he still has the say there's a gentleman's agreement there. So he has to want to go, but maybe he does, but he has to want to. He has to want to, you're right. And to me, no, he's not the perfect goalie. I mean, I would argue that if he doesn't cough up that puck last year in the, in the effectively, what was the conference final? Mm Mm-hmm. I, that's the turning point of that series. I mean, you could argue that they win that series if he doesn't make that mistake. Yeah. I, I think that, that Vegas could could win that series. So, you know, I mean, he's prone to the big mistake sometimes. Um, and it, and it's not a perfect world. And I, and I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, but like, I, I'm starting to wonder about goaltending in the NHL. Like, first of all, like, are there even 32 number one caliber goaltenders in the world right now? Yeah. I, you might be able to make the argument that there aren't, you might be able to make that argument. Right. And like, to me, it's almost like, and Matt, I, I very quickly like to get your thoughts on this, but I'm wondering if goaltending is not going to become like pitching in baseball. You get a bullpen of a bunch of guys, not a bunch of guys, but more than two, but like three or four guys. And you just go with the guy who's delivering at that moment, because like, really like there probably are 32 number one goalies because some teams have two, but like, like is Cam Talbot? No. Is yeah. Jack Campbell? No. Is is Mikko Koskinen? No. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's like I and I, I, I like I said, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I think the position is unbelievably fickle, and I always laugh when someone asks me, "Oh, which goalie should I start tonight in fantasy?" I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter because <laughs> you can start Shostak and he's going to give up six goals somehow, and you're going to start Koskinen and somehow he gets a shutout. It's so fickle. I think part of the problem is, and a lot of goaltenders, retired goaltenders, have told me this: the position has never been harder to play. The game, especially with the 
the crackdown on slashing. It's way more east-west. Goalies have to track the puck east-west a lot more in during the course of a game. They have to get up and down. Because if you look at, historically, the shots per game in the last couple of years are the highest they've been in, I think, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So oh. goalies are just busier. The position is just more grueling than it was. You're never going to get a Glenn Hall. But you're not going to get a Grant Fuhrer or Marty Brodeur anymore either. Marty right. Brodeur even told me that. He couldn't even play as much as he did today. It's just a more attacking <laughs> position. Maybe that's what makes the results nightly just so unpredictable interesting what do you think dylan being the goalie i mean to your point ken last year in the stanley cup finals i remember a big hullabaloo being made about it's two 10 million dollar goalies teams are going to need to find their 10 million dollar goalie but i've got news for you you don't just give a goalie 10 million dollars and he becomes a 10 million dollar goalie right right to your point about pitching Think about the Blue Jays when they got David Price, right? And they all of a sudden went on a run. There's not a lot of pitchers that can single-handedly take a team on a run like that, just like Carey Price and the absolutely abysmal Montreal Canadiens of last year. There's not a lot of goalies that can take a team on a run like that. So to your point, I'd say that there's a lot more than 32 starting goalies in the league. Okay, I'd say that there's like 150. The trouble is... Are they a starting goalie every bloody night? Right. We don't, we just don't know who they are. Yeah. We don't know who they are. Yeah. They, they, you know, Samuel Montebo gets a 50 save shutout and you know, like we don't know who they are. So I, I do agree with you in terms of a goalie that you can rely on, that you can hang your hat on. There's like six. There's so few. Right. I completely right. agree with you. Well, I know Bob, Bobby Clark once said, you want more scoring in hockey? Just get worse goaltenders. <laughs> and it's true. It's showing true this year. We saw it on Saturday night between Detroit and Toronto, where yeah. all four goalies were abysmal. Had a, <laughs> had a collective save percentage of like 764 in that <laughs> game. That was great. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's move along. Grant Fear would be proud. Which prospect do you think will play the most? I'm going to try that again. Which prospect do you think is most likely to change organizations at the deadline? Ken, let's start with you. Well, I, I think uh, I think it's Philip Roberg in in Edmonton, uh, their first round pick from Ken Holland's first draft, whatever that was. <laughs> um, I, I just think that now, you know, Edmonton is another team that, I mean, but you look at Koskin in the other night and he was great, right? So anyways, I mean, they yeah. need goaltending. They, they, they have, they yeah. are, they are in a win now mode. And, you know, I think there's to the point where I think there's like jobs and reputations on the line here. Um, and I mean, they've got to make it first. Um, but I, I would think that, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go out and be serious at the deadline and you, and Ken Holland has been serious since last summer, about building a team that's, you know, that can win, um, then you probably are okay with giving this guy up. He's been really good at the American League. He hasn't been able to crack their NHL team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, I think they're a little bit disappointed with that, but he's been real good at the American League. So I, I would say him. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I think that's a good pick, Kenny, especially because they're not going to want to give away Evan Bouchard. So it's a great consolation prize to say, no, no, we still got another first round guy. It's all good. And I'm going to stick with a first round defenseman as well. I'm going to go to Colorado and say Justin Barron, the right-handed shot, who's been really seamless in its transition to the pro game in the AHL. And I think I just think, you know, Joe Sackick for the first several years of his tenure was pretty conservative, but he's now graduated into this tier or this, this, this uh, juncture, I should say, where expectations have now skyrocketed for Colorado. This team is so dominant that if they don't 
I, I don't want to say win the Stanley Cup, but maybe reach the final this year. Is that a disappointment? I think you can make a case that oh, if they yeah. don't win three rounds, it's a disappointment. That's how dominant this team has been. So I think they're at a point now where they have to go for broke and start throwing prospects overboard. They've already done it. They they sacrificed Connor Timmons, right, in the deal to get Darcy Kemper. They gave up a first-round pick, but now they have to start dipping into the pool, which has been very strong, very deep. I'm not saying you have to try and move Bowen Byram. I don't think you go there yet. You probably wouldn't want to sell low while he's sorting out his concussion stuff anyways. Yeah, yeah. I think you can go Justin Barron, right-handed shot, premium position, the equivalent of a left-handed starting pitcher in baseball. So you can get a good return, I think, for him. Well, I saw yours ahead of time. I didn't see Matt's ahead of time, but man, we have a theme here because I'm saying Niels Lundqvist of the Rangers. Yeah, I think that the Rangers, they're not done rebuilding, but they definitely want to make some noise. And so you don't want to give up your first round pick this year, but maybe you give up a 21 year old prospect that I'm not entirely sure how high the Rangers are on him. Interesting. See, to me, the Rangers are are playing with house money right now. Like, mm-hmm. they've had such a good year this year. I don't know yeah. that you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one, you know, and, and, and go for it when you don't know whether you're really good enough to really contend, but you know you're going to be good a few years down the road. So, uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, that's sort of my point is that you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So you don't want to get yeah, rid of yeah. your first rounder this year. But what's that right. kind of eh, one step behind a first rounder can get us something that'll make some noise okay. in the playoffs. I can get on board with that. Yeah. How do you feel I, I about like the it. Rangers this year, Matt? I, I think I think you're bang on. It's funny. When I was using the Thomas Hurdle example, I was picturing Lundqvist being the guy that they move. As part of that <laughs> so, and, and of course, they want, they're desperate for someone to take the t- Tally Kravtsov too, right? So you could throw him in as a cherry on top. You go Lundqvist, Kravtsov, and a second rounder for Thomas Hurdle. Does that get get you Thomas Hurdle? Wow, maybe. I think I think you'd have to if you're New if you're New York, you'd have to have some assurances that he might resign with you. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, because that's a lot. That's a lot for a rental. But you know, I mean, if you're going for it, like you say, yeah, okay, good. I was going to make a comment, but it would actually kind of give away your answer for the next question. So why don't we just move on to the next question? Who is going to seriously overpay at the trade deadline this year? Matt, let's start with you. Okay. Well, it's funny. We seem to be on the same page with a lot of ideas. So I'm going to go back to Ken talking about Edmonton. And I think it's going to be Ken Holland overpaying. There's just a culture of desperation there right now. And it's been obviously setting on goaltending. I'm picturing the Oilers going all in to get a goalie, but getting like not a very good one. So it's like, oh, the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> oh. gave up a first round pick for Eunice Corpusallo. And it's like, oh, geez. <laughs> That's the kind, kind of trick. Kadobin, new starting goalie. Yes, yeah. exactly. Another good example. Maybe Braden Holpe, I could see that, obviously. Uh, Holpe being, he's, he's having a good comeback here. <laughs> okay. You know what's weird about Braden Holpe too? Braden Holpe Tell is us what you really think, old. Ken. <laughs> and Holpe, people think of Holpe as like 36 years old. He's been around forever, but he's not. He's in his early 30s because he just mm-hmm. got into the league young. So he still could have something left in the tank. But either oh, way, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. digressing. I, I think the Oilers are going to be the team that just feels that desperation. And I think Holland, he's never been one to really think about planning ahead. So <laughs> He yeah, used think, to. He used yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, but but not anymore. Yeah, you're not right. Recently. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, for me, like I, the, when I started, when I thought of this, I, first thing I went, did was I went to cap friendly and looked at like contending teams that might have lots of picks. I guess what? There aren't any, 
all the good teams have traded all their picks already. So, so there, there aren't going to be picks in play for a lot of these guys. So a lot of these really contending teams might not be able to overpay. And I don't know who's going to overpay, but I know that whoever gets Ben Sherratt is going to overpay. <laughs> That's, that is my prediction. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think you could get Justin Braun. We talked about this last week. You could get mm-hmm. Justin Braun. You could get Rasmus Ristolainen. You could get a bunch of guys that are as good or maybe even better than Ben Sherratt for way less than you're going to give up for Ben Sherratt. Mm-hmm. A I little agree. Habs Twitter moment from Ben Sherratt was during the Leafs-Habs game uh, last week, I think. Somebody tweeted out, uh, hey, Kyle Dubas, Sherratt's already setting up scoring opportunities for the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember who and give them a shout out, but, uh, but I can't. So yeah. Um, before we get out of here, I want one thing. I want, I want to do one, add one thing. Who's your Stanley cup winner, Matt? Who's your, who your Stanley cup finalists right here, right now today on Feb, March 3rd. Who do you have going to the Stanley cup final? I'm proud to say I've been flexing this all year long and I'm not backing <laughs> off. I said Florida Panthers in July of 2021, and I'm sticking with that. I think they're the most complete team in the Eastern Conference. They're strong at every position. They're unbelievably deep at forward. And I do think they're going to add a defenseman. That's what I've been told. Okay. That they've been really, really hot to trot to get another top four guy. I think they will. It'd be awesome to see a Jacob Chikrin homecoming. That's a hard trade to make in the middle of the season, but so maybe it's a John Klingberg, whatever it's going to be. Uh, but I, I think the Panthers have what it takes. And he, he, obviously Spencer Knight has taken a step back, but between Bobrovsky playing better and, and Knight's potential, someone's going to stop the puck. I'm not too worried between the two of them. Someone will figure it out and be good enough. I think in the playoffs. So they're my pick. And I think, I do think it's going to be Colorado. It's it's one of those where I'm not going to overthink it. So it's a rematch of the 96 final. Yeah, I'm going to go Tampa, Colorado. Tampa's mm-hmm. in first place right now in the division mm-hmm. by, by by winning percentage, I think by points too. But like, look what they're doing. And I, and I don't even think Tampa's trying that hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I really think they don't have their foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for me, it's it's Tampa, Colorado, which I think would be... I, of course it's not going to happen because <laughs> it would be perfect and wonderful. And like, it would be the greatest series in history. So it's not going to happen, but anyways, yeah. I want that. Yeah. That's what I want to happen. So you guys are both uh, very high on uh, the Florida teams is, is what I'm hearing. I yeah. do agree with you, Matt. One of those goalies is going to sort it out and be the $10 million goalie that we were just talking about. Um, I think that in the West, time to stop sleeping on Vegas. I know that they're struggling. They have no, I have no confidence in them whatsoever. Zero confidence in that team. I don't even think they're going to make it out of the first round. They might not even make the playoffs. So stop it now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll stop it. (laughs) If only were that easy to shut me up. (laughs) No, no, but I'm just saying like, once you've got stone, healthy, Eichel and Pacioretty as your top line. And then the, whatever they call it, the cast off line or whatever is the, the Misfits second line. Misfits line. That's right. Yeah. Pardon me. What, once you've got those as your top two. And if Robin Leonard rounds into form again, which we know how excellent he can be not playing him is the reason why Vegas lost in the playoffs last year. Okay, the well. one game that he played, he was dominant. He was absolutely dominant. So I, I think yeah, it's a coin flip as to which Florida team's going to make it in the East, but I think that I'm not I'm not sleeping on Vegas right now. Interesting. 
I think Vegas is never going to win until they stop chasing this shiny new thing. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, one thing I can add to if there's if there's a team that can upset everybody in the West, it's Calgary to me. The Calgary. Oh players. yeah, yeah, yeah. A completely yeah, yeah, different yeah. team yeah. under Daryl Sutter, they and are. it showed last year in their underlying metrics, and they're just a hard team to play against, and they've got. Possibly, you know, the be- the biggest threat to Shesterkin for the Vezina and Markstrom, uh, mm. obviously added to Foley, Blake Coleman. So Coleman, a guy who's been a winner two years in a row of the Cup. So I think Calgary's got what it takes to make a run, too. Yeah, you just admit, you just think, like, Ken Holland was this close to getting Markstrom yeah. in July, right? Like, yeah. And it was like a last-minute thing, and he lost him. And, like, that one move, like, that would have changed everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Last thing before we get out of here, TV hot take. Matt, start with you. Oh, yes, because Kenny is the Kenny is the king of the horrible <laughs> TV take. I'm, I'm half expecting him to tell me that, that Big Bang Theory is a good show, in which case I'll vomit <laughs> like on camera. I'll vomit <laughs> onto my camera. So let's, hope, let's hope he doesn't do that. But I will say TV hot take. Okay, I thought about this. My TV hot take is the Sopranos ending is good. People freaked out about it. I don't think it's a spoiler oh. to talk about the ending now. It's been uh, 15 years, so give me a break if you're mad. Anyone listening, if you're mad that I'm spoiling the ending of The Sopranos, you've had 15 years to watch it, so get lost, <laughs> okay? Um, but the black screen, everything fading to black, people freaked out. They thought their cable had had crashed, and they <laughs> thought it was too abstract. But to me, if you break down the scene, the way the camera shows it, the way it's shot, it's showing, it's alternating perspectives. It's, it's, all the clues are there to tell you what happened to Tony. And there's been theories, but I think it was confirmed more recently what it was. Uh, maybe I'm not going to say it. So I'm not going to fully spoil no, it. No, I'm going to say it. The guy, the guy walking behind ends up blowing his head off. Yeah, right? I, I, I think it's, yeah. it's a fair, it's a fair yeah, assumption yeah. that he's dead. And I think there's yeah. hints that are dropped all through that last season that imply it. Like there's, there's certain lines said by certain characters. And to me, it's a show that, that it was groundbreaking. It was different than any other show that came before it. So of course it yeah. has to be different and have extra verve in its ending. So that's cool. That's my pick. That's my hot pick. That's a good one. And did you see that the Super Bowl commercial of Meadow Soprano and she was doing the drive? And then then she meets up with AJ at the end and they hug each other. And it was almost like, yeah, dad's dead. Kind of like it was almost like like that. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of the what I took out of that one. Yeah. And I thought it was a wasted opportunity to have her parallel parking in the commercial. (laughs) I was like, how are they not doing the parallel park thing? (laughs) Okay. Do you want do you want mine? I want yours. Okay. I got a, I got a bunch of them. Okay. I got a whole bunch of them. First is, and Matt's going to know this one. Matt's going to know this one. Ooh. I will, I will not say Seinfeld sucks. Cause it doesn't. I, I say Seinfeld's overrated. It's a good show. It's not a great show. Yeah. Okay. That's just one of my hot takes. <laughs> the other one is that Barney Miller and MASH are the two greatest sitcoms of all time. Shut up. Don't, don't even talk to me if you don't think that. Third <laughs> There should be a 24-hour Looney Tunes channel, <laughs> like without a doubt. And on a completely different tangent, Annie Lennox is the best vocalist ever in history. That's it. <laughs> I like the analytics taken. And Ken, uh, when, I, when I was just just starting to navigate puberty, my sister used to say that oh, I looked yeah. like, like I, my haircut and just whatever my bone structure. Like my sister used to say that I look like Annie Lennox. <laughs> like if you look at my grade nine like photo, I look like Annie Lennox. Which, nothing wrong with that. Annie Lennox was a yeah. pretty lady, and yeah, she's got a okay. tremendous voice. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. 
Go ahead, Dylan. So these are the worst hot takes ever because I actually kind of agree with most of them so far. I loved the ending of The Sopranos. All the clues were there. It was perfect. It was like At what point... Like, don't insult me by over-explaining it. Mwah, chef's kiss to the ending of Sopranos. MASH, fantastic TV show. Seinfeld, more fun to talk about than to actually watch. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> and you're way off about the vocalist. The best vocalist of all time is Meatloaf. Just passed away recently. Okay. I know yeah. every word to Paradise by the Dashboard Light, Off by Heart, both parts. Very awkward <laughs> when I get into the falsetto. You know, but my TV hot take is that Breaking Bad is not as good as Better Call Saul. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think? Oh, Game of Thrones sucks too. That was another one. That was another one. Game of Thrones blows. (laughs) Game. I mean, Game of Thrones. Yeah. The whole thing sucked. Well, perfect segue to end off this segment of the podcast. Game over, guys. Game over. Game over, man. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. I love you, you, bro. Guys. Love you, You're too, the bro. Best. You're the best. I'll see you at the game next Tuesday, right? You betcha. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was fun. All the best, pal. Take care. Mwah.